Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. Let's go to the book of Isaiah, the 54th chapter. I want to read a few portions of Scripture out of here and just share some things with you out of my heart. How many were us, if you were not here, um, let's do it like this. Wednesday night, if you've not had a chance, if you were not here and you've not seen any of those images on the Facebook Live, uh, it's well worth your time. Man, we baptized 50 kids on Wednesday night and three adults spontaneously. Come on, y'all. Um, we had uh, we had water everywhere up in here. We had to put fans on it, drying it out. But I told Stanton, I said, well, we do that many baptisms again. We got to figure out another another place to do it, another way to do it. Um, but uh, it was an exciting night, um, and uh, just uh, the Lord's doing a lot of things. Um, Stanton is not here this morning there, and uh, he's in Madison, Florida, preaching. So uh, he's doing a leadership uh, uh, thing at uh, at 11, and then I think he's going to preach at 12. So while we're eating lunch, he's going to be preaching the gospel. Would you just, uh, let's just pray for him right quick. Also, by way of prayer, um, uh Dennis and Donna's not with us. The young lady that we was praying for, Misty, 40 years old, um, went home to be with the Lord uh, early Saturday morning. And so that viewing's today at Boone's at 6 to 8, the funeral tomorrow at 11. I think it's at 11. You can verify that. But I think it's at 11 at Springhead. And so, um, and also two young boys that um, play baseball with Asher, um, their grandfather uh, died on Saturday night. I just talked with him uh, on Tuesday and got a text uh, yesterday that he had just died. I, I'm not sure what all that is, but uh, stretch your hands right here. Just let's lift your hands up right here. We're going to pray just a minute. We're going to get into Word. You feel good in your soul this morning? All right, so let's just, let's just pray for, uh, we're going to pray for Stanton first. He's a preaching machine, so I got full confidence. But Father, we just thank you, Lord for what you're doing in the life, in Stanton and Abby's life, Lord, and his ministry, Lord. I just thank you, Father God, that you open doors that no man can open and you shut doors that no man can shut. Father, we pray this morning, Lord God, as he stands there in Madison, Lord, you, when he stands fully equipped, we're aware of that, Lord. And Father, we just pray, God, Lord, that you would just bless them and give them ears to hear in that city, Lord, and <clears throat> ears to hear in that service. And I pray, Father, that he would preach your word with wisdom and with power. And God, you would demonstrate the word with signs, wonders, and miracles. Let the sick be healed. Let the deaf ears be open. Let the blinded eyes be open. Let the lame walk and let the death be raised in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, we lift up uh, Lord Dennis's family before you this morning. God, we lift up Justin and those two young girls before you. And Lord God, even though we don't understand, we know this, our anchor rests that you are a good God. Father, you are good, Lord, and nothing will ever change that. And, Father, I pray that you would comfort this family with peace. And, Lord God, you would help them, Lord, and you would help navigate them through this time, Lord, of grief and loss. And, and Lord, we bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. <clears throat> All right. Um, I really don't have no, no sermon. We've heard enough of them. But I just want to share some thoughts with you. I can't get over this. And, I don't know how all this is going to come out, but I'm going to share just uh, where we at on the journey. Um, let me just say this. I, 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 I will be the first to say that sometimes I let my eyes bother me for what I see and let it try to change what I believe God said. But how many knows that you don't doubt in the dark what God said in the light? You with me? How many believe we're on divine assignment here this morning? I said, have me believe we're on divine assignment. I'm not talking about knocking out a church service. Come on, y'all. 
All right, let's look at this in Isaiah chapter 54. I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation. I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, Rejoice with singing, you barren one. Rejoice with singing, you barren one. You who have never given birth, burst into a new song of joy and shout. You who have never been in labor, for the deserted wife will have more children than the married one, says Yahweh. If things has been tough, that's good. Come on, somebody. The tougher the struggle, the greater the journey. Come on, y'all. Increase is coming. I'm going to get about four people that believe this, and your life's going to be changed. Increase is coming. So enlarge your tent. Increase is coming. So enlarge your tent. And that extensions to your dwelling. Let me tell you the, the hardest place to enlarge your tent is between your ears. God's telling us this morning, folks, we got to enlarge what's in between our ears to begin to see the vision he has for our lives. For God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask, think, or imagine in his name. Come on, somebody. Ephesians 3.20. Increase is coming, so enlarge your tent and add extensions to your dwelling. Hold nothing back. Make the tent ropes longer and the pegs stronger. You will increase and spread out in every direction. And your sons and daughters will conquer nations and revitalize desolate cities. Do not fear, for your shame is no more. Do not be embarrassed, for you will no longer be disgraced. For you will forget the inadequacy you felt in your youth and will no longer remember the shame of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. His name is Yahweh, commander of angel armies. Your kinsman redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He has the title, Mighty God of all the earth. For I, Yahweh, have invited you to come back like a, de like a depressed, deserted wife, like a young wife who has experienced rejection. I'm drawing you back to me, says Yahweh. For just a brief moment, I deserted you, but with tender feelings of love, I will gather you back to me. In a surge of anger for just a brief moment, I hid my face from you. But with everlasting kindness, I will show you my cherishing love, says Yahweh, your kinsman redeemer. To me, this is like the time when I vowed that the waters of Noah's flood would never again cover the earth. Now I vow to you that I will neither be angry with you nor rebuke you. Even if the mountains were to crumble and if the hills disappear, my heart of steadfast, faithful love will never leave you. And my covenant of peace with you will never be shaken, says Yahweh, whose love and compassion will never give up on you. Let's go back to verse 2. Increase is coming. Look at your neighbor and say, increase is coming to me. <laughs> you better look at him again and prophesy, say, increase is coming to you. So enlarge your tent. Add extensions to your dwelling. Hold nothing back. Make the tent ropes longer and the pegs stronger. You will increase and spread out in every direction. Your sons and daughters will conquer nations and revitalize desolate cities. I just want to remind us of a few things this morning. This word really began to come, to, come alive to me at the end of 2017. As I I'll never forget the day that I pulled up to sisters and met Stanton for lunch. Things were hard. How many knows that sometimes that it ain't the enemy that the reason why things are hard. Sometimes God's just growing us a little bit. You with me now? We, we got to understand we're the clay and he's the potter. Sometimes the hands do get a little tied on us. But God's working out something. And how many knows this? That all things work together for the good of them that love him are called according to his purpose. So if I believe that, then all things are working out to my good this morning. Every test, every struggle, everything's working out to our good. And God's trying to make something out of our lives. And James, and in the book of James and in the book of Peter, it says rejoice when we endure all these trials. 
that these things are producing us endurance and faith. Come on, somebody. And it's causing us to be purified as pure as gold. The purified gold, you got to turn a little heat to it. But it causes the impurities to rise out to the top so that what's left can be pure gold. And we were in this thing where we were believing. Like, like many of you, I've been on the journey for some length of time, some 20 years, a little over 20 years now, and I've been believing God to do amazing things. And I was not fortunate to get to go to New York. I was not fortunate to get to go to California or Kansas City. I was born and raised in the South. How many knows it's a little difficult in the South? Give me great hope. How many knows that um, uh, John Wesley sailed up the Savannah River, came to, came to um, Savannah and tried to minister in Georgia. He leaves Georgia broken in disgust, lost of hope. And he meets a group of people called the Moravians on that ship that told him about the Holy Spirit. So that gave me hope. You know what I'm saying? Even John Wesley struggled in the South. But it never, it nevertheless, God wants us to plant, be planted and to flourish wherever we're planted at, right? God wants us to bring a demonstration of the kingdom wherever we're planted at. And so we, were, we have the privilege of always, even though we were planted in the South, we wasn't just limited to the Southern vision. Come on, how many knows the world's bigger outside of Sparks? How many knows it's bigger outside your country? Come on now. Uh, the, the United States is like a pepperoni on a large pizza. Come on, God so loved the world. God so loved the world. His vision is the earth. And his vision is he wants to see it full of glory. We know that Habakkuk said that the earth shall be covered with the, with the, with the, glory of the, the knowledge of the glory of God. That's coming, church. How many believes that? So I've always been one to believe that the best is not over, but the best is yet to come. Come on, y'all. I'm just trying to set this up a little bit. I'm just trying to build our faith. That's all my assignment is today. I believe in John chapter 2 is a picture of the end time church where there's six water pots, earth and clay. We are earthen vessels. What we, we tote the glory in. Come on, y'all. And he said he saved the best wine for last. So that means everything that God is doing, how many knows that he is restoring all things? He's restoring everything. Come on, y'all. There is really going to be a church on the earth that don't have to bury, don't have to bury people with disease. I wish I had some folk. There's coming a church that will lay hands upon cancer and see it eradicate. There's coming a church. Come on, y'all. We're, we're growing in this thing. We're, we're, we're moving. God is restoring. Come on. Adam had all things under his feet. And I believe before we leave this place that the church is going to have all things under, under her feet. And we will be under the head, which is Jesus Christ, the head of the church. And he is placing all of our enemies underneath his feet. And so... What happens in us, our job, is to expand the vision between our ears because our ears, what is going on between our ears is crippling us as a body. It's crippling us in the South. It's crippling us in our churches. Our vision of who we want. Like A.W. Tozer says, what you think, what comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing. God said all things are possible to them that believe. So our problem this morning with seeing more things of the kingdom is not God's problem. It's on our end. Y'all going to help me out here? So in this journey, I felt like that over the last couple of weeks that I should revisit a book that I read some several years ago. And it's written by a Baptist pastor. If I've ever seen an apostolic man standing in the Baptist church, it's this man that wrote this book. Just the way he thinks, the way he sees, and the way he challenges his church. Here's a Baptist guy with, in a large Baptist church, and he began to turn his church, and he began to put it in the direction he felt like God told him to go, and he said that God didn't call me as a referee. He calls me as a leader. And this is, he stands up on his stage, and I'm not saying that you do that. I'm just telling you what he wrote in the book. He said, those that are not excited about the direction we're headed, the exit signs are clearly planted on both wings. And he had him exits. Sometimes you got to grow it down to grow it up. Hello. They graves in the wilderness. And he begins to write, and this church is not very far from us. It's actually Sherwood Baptist Church. And his story how he got there, how the senior leader got to that church. And I remember reading this book. And I was scheduled for a meeting, and Kathy and I were going to be in a meeting, and I was in the country club in the city in which I pastored. 
And I remember I could not even talk at the table. I was so overtaken with the vision that is in this, that this guy pinned out in this book because so much of it was what I longed to see in a city. Y'all, come on, y'all. We can never get our minds to think that we're just here to build a church. You cannot lower the vision down to trying to build a church. I thank God for the 50 we baptized Wednesday night. But let me tell you the other side of that coin. It's going to take a whole lot of time to train and to equip the 50 that we just dumped into that tank to change their mindset out of a poverty mindset into a kingdom mindset where they realize they serve a God that really is more than enough. It's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of man hours. But let me tell you this. If we could change five out of that 50, and put that mindset in it. It is very well worth the time. But it's got to start somewhere. It's got to start somewhere with, with, with looking at these young kids. And I was amazed if you were here on Wednesday night, you can watch it on Facebook Live, how many of those children had never, ever seen anyone baptized. Several of them asked, can I go again? I want to be baptized again. And let me just tell you this. I know the haters are going to write stuff, you know, about baptism. But I've been baptized probably 10 times, 7 to 10 times myself. I believe water baptism is a prophetic sign and a prophetic picture where we go into the dead burial and resurrection of the Lord if we got things that we cannot defeat in our life let me tell you how powerful water baptism is you the Bible says we reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God and the water baptism is a picture of that you go in the tank as a dead man like walking the green mile come on somebody but if I died with him come on somebody the scripture says in Romans 6 surely I shall be raised with him into new life so I remember in that meeting, Catherine looking at the other leaders, and she said, she said, John, is God asking us to make movies? Because he writes about the movies. Flywheel was done on a $20,000 budget. Facing the Giants was done on a $100,000 budget. How many seen the last movie they just produced, Overcomer? I've not seen it personally, but I heard it is absolutely amazing. And so, let me just say this. Let me just say this. That I believe the things in our city that we want to see happen and we want to see change, I believe instead of, I want to say this without sounding like, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit hard, but, but let me tell you this. Some folks ain't going to change between their ears. Some people are always going to see it the way it was. I don't see it the way it was, and that's my struggle. I see it the way it can be. I don't see my marriage the way it, the way it is or the way it was. I see it the way it can be. I don't see my checkbook the way it is. I see it the way it can be. Come on, y'all. I don't see my children the way, the way it is. I see it the way they can be. I wrote my son a letter yesterday. I said, I know you think I'm hard on you, and I am hard on you, but it's because of what I see on your life. You're not common, man. You're not a common dude, and I can't raise you like a common little boy. i got to raise you the way God says you are. You're great, man. You're different, and you're different in a good way. I said, I didn't have a dad, and for 25 years, I struggled with low self-esteem and who I was because I didn't have someone looking in my eyes telling me who I am. But I said, you will never struggle because every day I will look into your eyes and I will tell you who you are and what God says about your life. Now, we've got to begin to expand the vision that we see in here. When I pull up to this church, I don't see cotton growing in that field. I don't see cotton growing in that field. I see ballparks in that field. I saw it. People's labeled us crazy a long time ago. But I tell you what, I will never reduce my life down to some small-minded vision. I will always, every day, wake up every morning striving for the high mark in God. If there's a high mark in God, there can be a low mark in God. And let me tell you this, comfortability is no place to be, friend. There will never be innovation, invention, or change ever found in the life of the comfortable. It is in the chaos, in the affliction, and the pain that is the necessity that gives birth to innovation. 
it was in the pain that Hannah climbed Shiganoth and said, God, I, I got to have a baby. I'm tired of looking at everybody else's child. I know you gave me a good husband. And he goes to her and says, Hannah, ain't I better than 10 children? You don't understand. I cannot watch other people give birth to something and me not have it for myself. So she climbs a mountain called Shiganoth and she prays unto God till God begins to vindicate her case. So pain is a good thing. The struggle is a good thing. I thought about this. If you've been here for a length of time, I know that Pastor Dale used this, this, uh, this, this um, picture back in the day. But if you go to Enterprise, Alabama, in Enterprise, Alabama, in the city square, there's a statue of a lady holding a plate above her head with a 50-pound bow weevil. Bow weevils are not good. Bow weevils destroy the cotton, which it destroyed their cotton harvest. And it put them into poverty, and it put them into other, other type of things. Farmers were losing thousands of dollars. They were losing lands. People were being foreclosed on because the bow weevil was destroying the cotton. But let me say this. God was on the move at the time. Listen to me. He will help us get out of one season into the next. Listen, he, you listen. they were never destined to stay in Egypt for 430 years, only 400. They were 30 overdue. So, so what he did was he raises up a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. Come on, somebody. And you're not gonna just get you're not just gonna make one brick. You're gonna have to go get your straw to make your bricks. And I ain't gonna let, I ain't gonna release the production down. I'm gonna up the production on you. And it caused them to cry out, anything that drives us to a place of prayer is a blessing in our life. Come on, y'all. They begin to cry out unto God. And that's when God began to raise up a, a deliverer named Moses to bring them out. So there was, there was this young scientist named George Washington Carver that began to talk about peanuts and other agricultural things. And he said, if we, continue to pl- if we continue to plant the cotton cycle after cycle, it's depleting the nutrients out of the ground, and eventually we're not going to be able to produce a harvest. The yields had gone down year by year by year by year. And now this bow weevil that comes out of Mexico is, is first found in Texas, and it comes, and it comes to the south. But today, that statue stands and holds the bow weevil up. And the bow weevil is not a sign of destruction, but it is a symbol of the prosperity. Listen to me, church. I'm not talking about a bow weevil here, okay? What happened is the bow weevil pushed them or nudged them, and in that pain caused them to develop and caused them to give a listening ear to people like George Washington Carver. And finally, this one man said, I'm not planting any cotton. I'm planting everything we got in peanuts. He yielded off of the peanuts enough of harvest to pay his whole farm off, all of his debts, and had money left over, which caused a shift from cotton into peanuts. Now here, what are you saying in that? Tell me what you're saying, John, because you're losing me. What I'm trying to tell you is I believe that the window is open again. I understand that the window is always open to the, and we find that God says, I'll open up the windows of heaven if you tithe. That's really speaking of benediction over you. That's to give you creative ideas. None of us in this room need more money. We need more wisdom. Come on, somebody. We need to know how to handle what God has been given to us. And here's the thing. If God is shifting to spring, you don't want to be standing there in your parka when it's winter, still trying to pray and believe it's winter. God says the seasons are changing. And I believe that there's this window of opportunity that is in the realm of the Spirit to do things that we never even dreamed were possible. I'm not asking you to believe it all. Just believe 10%. In this process, we... In 2017, I'll go back to the sisters' meeting. Things were difficult. Things were hard. I had some sheep acting up. It was just tied on all ends. <laughs> you with me? 
was tight business-wise, tight in my family, tight here at the church. Things were hard. Things were difficult. And I go to lunch that day, and Stanton had been with the Lord. How many of you glad that people, God put people in your life that when you're down, they not down? Listen, if both of us get down, that's what Catherine said. She, sometimes she get down, she said, well, thank God you're not down. If both of us are down, we're headed in the ditch. Are you with me? That's why God sent them out two by two. Huh? You with me? He didn't send you out alone. You got somebody. That's a lie to believe you're here alone. Come on now. You got somebody. And so he come in there and he began to tell me a story. And he began to tell me this is what I believe God said this morning. And he looks at me and he says, I'm your left-handed son. And I believe this is what God is saying. And that sparked us on a journey. We've been on a journey. How many knows in 2017, at the closing that year, we said some big things, and we were believing God for big things. And those of you that believe that you could stand toe-to-toe in this church right here and raise your hand and say, God did things in 2018 I'd never believe he would do. Can you all attest to that in this room? All right. I mean, I don't know. If, I might be talking about three people. But listen here. God did some things. And... Like me, and probably like me, many thought that, my God, I mean, we're here. This is it. This is, this, is, this is the whole deal. But what I really believed happened was God began to put some things in motion. Listen, how many of those are things that we forget and we pray about and we ask God to do and we, we, we're seeking the Lord about them and we put them on the shelf even though you forget about them, God never does. Picture this is John the birth of John, Zacharias goes into the temple to pray. The angel Gabriel comes down and says, the Lord's heard your prayer. The Lord didn't answer the prayer he was praying that morning. It was a prayer that he no longer prayed anymore that he used to have faith to pray. It was to believe God for a child, for him and Elizabeth. Come on now. But, but the Gabriel said, I've come to answer that prayer. You're going to give birth to a son. You're going to call his name John. Then the, the angel struck him where he couldn't speak because God didn't want him to mess it up. Come on, somebody. They power life and death in the tongue. We've got, to, we've got to land. Listen, if we believe God's taking us into a new season, you've got to carry the language of a new season. You can't take the language of a previous season into the new season. You can't get in here and believe for faith and go after it. Come on, somebody, and sing Kumbaya, oh my Lord, and then go home and kill everything that you got by faith in this room. Come on, y'all. You can't go, go, you can't go and believe God for healing and cause a symptom arise the next morning. Say, well, nothing didn't happen. It is impossible. Listen, it is impossible for us to lay your, our hands on you and nothing happens. Something does happen, friend. Something takes place when any two of us touch it together by faith. Now, this is why it's called the walk of faith and we're called believers because we got to believe. Bible says that the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. There are seasons when you're going to have to walk by the lamp. When you're in a lamp season, you can't see very far. You just see around your feet. But if you're faithful with the lamp season, God will cut the light on. And when you got the light on, friend, the light is out there in the distance. Come on, somebody, and it allows you to make up the ground. So what happens is, is we, 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 we was all in here jumping and shouting. And like me, I was all getting excited, ready to take the world by storm. You know what I'm saying? I'm fixing to be on Daystar, TBN, all the networks, and just riding the jets, doing it. Listen, and what happened is went into a lamp season. God, I mean, either, either we were crazy, we were just like, like a bunch of giddy kids believing something. Man, I mean, come on, we're in Sparks, Georgia, surrounded by a doggone... <laughs> I mean, you got to turn in here where they crushing cars, junk laying outside the road. Come on now. Listen, when we brought Pastor Parsley in here, and, and he looked at his assistants. He said, and Chad, he said, in 27 years, no, in uh, 17 years, he said, you never got me lost. He said, but son, I'm telling you, we lost. There is no church headed in this direction. <laughs> Listen, it's just like God the hottest back here. Come on, somebody. He hid Jesus in a manger. Come on now. So it's, it's taken a lot to believe what I'm talking about this morning. It takes a lot to believe that there could be four baseball fields out the backside of this church, a football field, two soccer fields. Come on, somebody. Something called upward sports where you don't even have to worry about GRPA anymore. You can train them in the ways of God and have your sporting events held right out the back door. Come on, somebody. That's what I'm talking about. 
And here's the thing. You say, where is that going to come from? It ain't going to come from winning the lottery either. That means the blessing of God is going to come on the kings in this house to take us to a whole nother round. Come on. This is what I'm talking about. To take us to a whole nother level financially to be able to support and to fund the vision that God is doing in our lives. Now listen here. We wrote in that letter 10 years down the road that we would need five vans on Wednesday night. We need another van right now. Stan is taking him an hour to haul kids home after Wednesday night. I'm believing God for another van. Where is that going to come from? It's not going to come from out of the air. It's going to come as I line my family up with the vision, so into the vision, and believe God for increase on my life. All right. So, so we get at the end of 2018, I get called to a meeting. It's, 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 God begins to connect the dots through different people that we know. How many knows that God puts you in kingdom connections to accomplish the assignment that he's calling for us? And so we, we, we go to this meeting because of we're preaching about, we're preaching about the, the lamp. We're preaching about the vision of multiple cities and this fiery lamp. You know what I'm saying? And then I get someone that sends me, and they send me, the uh, which I'd read it several times, Jesus fast. I need to apply it to my life. But Jesus fast by low angle. And chapter 9 says that John, John prepares the way the fiery heart. John. Then he goes into John, what, 535 says that John was a burning and a shining lamp. When God anointed me, to preach the gospel. I was in Nichols, Georgia, and a man by the name of Bo, William Bo Turner, who's in Macon, Georgia today, with a great church laid hands on me, and the prophecy given over my life was this. From this day forward, you shall preach my word with fire because I will baptize you in fire. That was 22 years ago. You believe I'm fired up a little bit? Still, still on it. <laughs> so we go down there, and we meet this guy, and he gives us a jar of dirt. I got it in here. Someone hold it up so that so people don't think I'm lying, you know. So we get this jar. And, man, this guy had toted this jar for 10 years and prayed over this dirt for 10 years. The dirt from the capitals in this, in this right here. And there's about maybe 10 to 15 cities inside this jar. And he toted it for 10 years praying over it. And Stan and I met him at the Smoking Pig in Valdosta. And he looked at me and he said, he said, I'm just telling you right now, that is it. That's what I'm looking for. He was looking for a, just some fire and some passion. And he hands us this jar of dirt. And you know, and I told him this jar, and man, I've talked about this jar. And to be honest with you, the, for the past year, this, this dirt's just been sitting in my office on the shelf. Till about two weeks ago, I get a call with another connection. And I'm like, I can hear you right now. Man, we're tired of them connections. <laughs> I'm tired of them hills. I, I've been climbing hills my whole life. I'm like, I, my, my dad, when he went to school, they walked uphill both ways. I don't know where his school was at, but he always told me I had to go uphill both ways to go to school. Barefooted in the snow in South Georgia. You with me? 25 years old before he had his first bicycle. Come on, man. <laughs> She'll get another call. But how many members? This is what, when all this journey started, I believe God spoke to me. And he spoke to me out of the movie National Treasure. You okay? I'm getting close right here. And remember in the book of, in, in the movie National Treasure, that's with Nicolas Cage. He plays an actor named Ben Gates. And Ben Gates goes to the door of his dad and, his, and they, had, they had stolen the Declaration of Independence. And he goes in there and he's trying to hide it from his dad. Do you remember this? In the movie, if you've never seen National Treasure, it's an amazing movie. And so he goes to his dad's house and knocks on the door and his dad finally realized that he's in trouble. And what he had done? And he said, you're going to waste your whole life. You're going to waste your whole life. Your grandfather wasted his life. I wasted my life. And now you're going to waste your life chasing some dumb treasure. That's what he says. And I feel like the Lord spoke to me on that. One generation starts out on a journey. Another generation pioneers it further. But there's coming a generation, baby, that's going to walk in the treasure room. How do you know that? I got the promise of God's word in Hebrews chapter 11. 
God's hall of faith that the promise was not made perfect. Those, those died not yet having received the promise that the promise was in them not made perfect without us. There is coming called a generation called a harvest generation and it's not just a harvest of souls. It is the harvest of every prophetic word that's ever recorded in that book and that has ever uttered out of the mouth of men and women of God that has stood under the unction of the Holy Spirit. That is called the harvest generation. Now, I believe our job is to hear the winds of change, see the wind of opportunity, and when you see it, whatever your vision is, you've got to go through it at that point. Whether if your vision is a hair salon, if your vision is being a nurse, if your vision is to, is to, is to stop renting and own a house, you've got to see the window and begin to position yourself in that direction. Now, I can get up here and holler every week and you can watch me sweat and you can watch three or four jump in and you never get it. That is not on me. If one person in this room gets it, they broke through for the rest of us. Can y'all agree with that up in here? Now, listen. We've got to have people. We've got to have people that can break through. We've got to have people that can break through. There's people that are anointed with a breakthrough anointing upon their life. But we have to have people in this room to break through. When you break through, John David, you call someone else to break through. If you break through, Ashlyn, Amber, whoever, if you break through, you paved the way for her to break through. How do you know this? In 19, I think it was 1954, May 6, 1954, there was a man by the name of... Roger Bannister. Everyone on the planet believed that it was humanly impossible for a man to run one mile in under four minutes. You with me? They even said, physicians even said that it was humanly impossible for a man to do it. If he did, he would die trying to achieve such a, such an, uh, such a thing. On May 6, 1954, Oxford University, Roger Bannister is about to attempt, about to attempt. He had gotten close. He, had, he, had, he was going to attempt to break the record. This day, the wind, it was not really good. It was a windy day, so and he was not feeling well, I think, at the time. So he decided to just, he was almost, he pretty much decided, I'm not going to run. Well, by the time of the race, the wind had subsided, and so he decided he would run. He runs the race. His time is three minutes, 59.3 seconds, somewhere along in there. He had broke the barrier. You with me? We as a church since 1991 have broken several barriers. You with me? The things that we want to see that is beautiful downtown that we believe could come to this city, Danny broke it several years ago when he builds a glass building that this community had never seen. But here's the problem what we've done in the past. Instead of celebrating that success, we backbite, bittered, and complained and mocked what God had done in this community. But... Listen, it doesn't matter whether it's Danny's building or if it's Michelle's dress store. Are you with me? When God deems something blessed, every time it is mocked, God will pour out the more blessing on it because God always blesses the barren woman. But listen, this breakthrough, this breakthrough caused something to happen. Where did the breakthrough come? The breakthrough didn't come through some scientific breakthrough. Or, and it didn't come through like Benny the Jet Rodriguez off the sandlot when he had to run with the PF Flyers. You know I know some baseball up in our house. Come on, somebody. He didn't have no PF Flyers. What happened? What caused the breakthrough to come? The breakthrough was shattered in the minds of the people. Now, it was not unhumanly. It was not, it was not impossible. A man had defeated that giant of impossibility that a human can run under four minutes. Listen to this. Within 46 days, the record was broke again. This is what happens in a church when breakthrough happens. Come on, somebody. When you break the realm of financial uh, poverty off of your life, it paves the way for others to do the same.
and you're not going to break it by changing jobs, making more money. That is not where the breakthrough happens. The breakthrough happens in your mind. Come on, somebody. And we learn to live like Paul where we content in all things. If I'm eating caviar on Sea Island or if I'm down there in a tent at the riverbank, I know how to be content in all things, knowing that he supplies all my need according to his riches and glory. There's no lack in his kingdom. Come on, somebody. You can be worth $3 million and be bound be bound by limitation because you believe that finances is like some fleeting sparrow that's going to fly away from you at any moment. And what we're all after in this room is not riches, we're after wealth. And wealth takes a period of time to build. Riches come and go. Riches, you can go out and scratch a lottery ticket for for, uh, $35 million and be broke within 12 months. It happens all the time. Go on the entertainment channel and watch the curse of the lottery. Man wins 300 and something million dollars and he's broke within five years. How many knows that the money was not the problem? What was in between in his heart and in between his ears was the problem. All right. Now, when it comes to being the breaker, we are an apostolic church. <laughs> Let me explain that. Because you just, you just, your people lie. What, what did he just say? He's apostolic. So we're an apostolic church. Apostolistic. I've heard it. Listen. According to 1 Corinthians 12 28, God put that gift first in, into, the, into the body, right? We ain't got, y'all, y'all with me? Ephesians 4 11, the gifts of Christ are the, are the what? The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. The only word, that, the only time the word pastor shows up in the Bible is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. That is the only place it is found in the Scripture. I ain't got time to chase that rabbit right here. But the apostle goes first. Paul said the weapons of our warfare are not, are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds. That word weapons of our warfare, that word warfare in the Greek is translated the apostolic calling. So we are a people by nature. Come on, somebody. I know the war's been won and we're not fighting demons. But we are fighting principalities that determine how people think. For we do not uh, uh, wrestle flesh and blood, but against principalities. That word principalities in the Greek comes from the word where we get our word origin. What happens is principalities get over cities and they want to change the origin of how people think. How many knows that that principality is not the origin? The origin is Genesis 1. In the beginning, God. We want our thoughts to start with what? God. But a principality hijacks a city and wants to change the origin to get people to think a certain way. This is what holds people down and people begin to feel certain feelings and think certain thoughts and they don't know the reason why they're thinking thinking those thoughts. And the deal is, is it's not their thoughts. It is coming from a ruling spirit that's hanging over that city. And our apostolic people, come on somebody, is the weapons of our warfare, our apostolic calling are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We begin to model a kingdom life. Come on somebody. We begin to model marriage is what it looks like in the kingdom. We begin to model finances what it looks like in the kingdom. We begin to model business to a business arena what it looks like in the kingdom. I don't know if I'm helping us or hurting us. All right. Here's where we make a mistake. is because God puts first, we think we're elite. We're not elite. Y'all looking like cattle in the new gate. I said because, because the apostolic goes first does not mean we're elite. That doesn't mean we're better than anybody else. I just told you, go home and read Pre- Pre- Prepare for Rain by Michael Cadd at Sherwood Baptist. I'm telling you right now, that's an apostolic man in a Baptist church. I mean, look at the vision, what they've done over there in that city. Look at the movies that they're putting all over the face of the globe. That, a lot of that stuff in Facing the Giants was actual reality of what that church walked out. The, 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 the revival that you saw in Facing the Giants, that actually happened in the Sherwood Academy in their school. And I'm telling you, I believe that we're fixing to see some massive changes in our school system with our young people amongst revival. 
God, I wish I had 10 people, man. I ain't even got 10 people in this room that believe what I'm preaching this morning. This is why we got to talk about it. I'm telling you right now, there ain't 10 people in this room believe that there can be ball fields back there. We've got to begin to change the vision and believe that, folks, we're not just here coming to church. My God, we got to get beyond that. You're not coming to church to hear some fat, bald-headed man holler and scream. You are the church of Jesus Christ, a living body called the ecclesia. You are here to make a difference. I don't care if you are 85 years old or two years old. You are living in this room, breathing in this room. Nadine, God's got a plan and a purpose for what you're doing here. So, all right, let me, let, me, let me finish with this. I'm going to close with this. In reading the book, I'm going to read you this. I want to talk about opportunity. I'm closing with this right here, okay? All right. I was going to read that, but I'm going to save that. All right. This is his story in 1980. He said, this came to me in the early 1980s while riding with my pastor, talking about opportunity. And I found something I want to share with you before I leave. This came home to me in the early 1980s while riding with my pastor when serving at a church in the Atlanta area. He took me to the interstate of 285 and Interstate 75. And he told me he had envisioned relocating the church to that plot of land. Acre after acre of land have been available at a very reasonable price. With the projected growth of our area, I realized the growth of our church would necessitate further development of our facilities. Can I tell you where we're at in that building over there on Wednesday night? That I'm standing and praying and believing God for $750,000 to build a building that can house these young people. I challenge you to go over there Wednesday night with Terry Moore. We've got kids stacked on top of kids in every place we can get them. Hello, church. We, we, we're running well over 100 kids on Wednesday night. That's something to give God some praise about. Those that were here, those that, showed, those that came Wednesday night, I watched their faces. I watched their faces by hitting the ground as they watched all these kids file in this door because there was no seat from here to the soundboard. was nothing but children that had come in this church. There's a young, there's a, there's a young little boy. I won't call his name out, but it, but every time, the first time I saw him, he always walked with his head hung down in his face. He just, I mean, his 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 head, his face down in his hand. And I remember seeing him at the ball field one night, and and uh, he's playing on Frank's team, and Frank had him sitting in the stands because he 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 just he mean. And I told him, I said, uh, called him by name, I said. Mr. Frank kick you off that field because you mean or is Mr. Frank mean? He said with me. That's halfway to healing right there. You can't never get free of what you ain't willing to name. Come on, somebody. You got to look at it and call it. You can't call it a struggle. You got to say a sin in my life and get rid of it. Hello. Come on, that ain't your struggle. That's a sin and it's a hindrance. Come on, get rid of it. So I talked with him. We baptized that child Wednesday night. He come out of that tank, his face was glowing the whole time. And he ain't had his head hung down like that into his hand in over seven days. Come on, y'all. That's God making a difference in a child's life. You know what? Hey, and he ain't got a clue about praise and worship. He ain't got a clue about the King James. But that's the ones I love to get right there. Hear me? I would give me, give me a church full of folk like that versus folk that have been raised in church their whole life. Because that's the ones you can't change. Come on, Danny. You know I'm telling the truth. That's the ones that's already got it figured out. Come on, somebody. And here's the thing. What I realize is I always come to God every day that I ain't got nothing figured out. I tell him I am a student, Father God. And I pray that you begin to teach me, begin to lead me, because I, I don't have it figured out. I want to learn. All right. So he's his pastor's driving him out there to the land near Interstate 285 and 75. And he told me how he had envisioned relocating the church to that plot of land. Acre after acre, the land had been available at a very reasonable price. With the projected growth of our area, I realized the growth of our church would necessitate further development of our facilities. My pastor said, I took, listen to this, I took five, I took five of the most influential men 
in our church to a lovely hillside overlooking a two-lane road. It was two-lane. From that vantage point, I told them, someday a major interchange would corner on that property that would carry over 200,000 cars a day. We could relocate and reach an inestimable inestimable clientele. They demurred saying, the property would cost $10,000 an acre, Pastor. And it's too expensive. Today, 12 lanes of traffic cross that intersection. And the property is valued at more than $250,000 per acre. And a deteriorating community now surrounds the original church where we was at. I want to talk about opportunity. Four centuries before Christ, there was this Greek sculpture by the name of Lipsus. I'm probably butchering his name, but that's the country version, okay? It's South version. He created this sculpture, and he had this young man. He was, it, was a, it was a youthful man, very muscular and built man on this sculpture. And he had locks of hair that came down over his forehead. And, the, and, and these locks of hair was on his forehead, just sticking out of his forehead where his curls dripped over, whatever huge locks on the forehead. And on the back of his head was completely bald. And he had wings on his feet. And Lipsis said, I call this statue opportunity. And said, well, tell me, why, why do you call him opportunity? What is his wings feet? Why has his feet got wings on it? Because opportunity is always moving swiftly. Listen to me, church. Opportunity is always moving swiftly. It's here today and gone tomorrow. The huge locks on his forehead is on opportunity. So when opportunity is advancing towards you, you grab hold of opportunity and you hold on. But if opportunity passes, his head is bald and there's nothing to grab hold to and opportunity has fleeted from you and gone and may never return. I'm preaching to you this morning and I'm telling you by faith that I know that I know I've heard God in the the woods this week that we are in a window of opportunity. I don't know what all that opportunity means, but I can tell you one thing I do believe. I believe it means in the business arena, we're going to have opportunity like we have never seen. I feel the Lord come on me right now. And here, let me tell you something. When opportunity like this comes, it's going to shake you in your boots. You're never going to do nothing great if you can't risk, friend. If you can't step out on clouds and don't know if you... Here's the problem. We in the church always settle for plan B. When are we going to get to the place there ain't no plan B? Heidi Baker said, I never saw God move in Mozambique until I didn't have an option but Him moving. When Jensen Franklin, when he built that, when he built that gorgeous edifice in Gainesville, he had everything worked out at the bank that they were going to loan the money. Something happened. As they began to move forward and bulldozers was rolling, he told the congregation, you just stretch forth your hands. Every time you see the building size, stretch forth your hands. And he was quoting the scripture out of Zechariah. Shout grace, grace under that mountain. Shout grace, grace under that mountain. The bank called and said, we can't loan that money. This is on a Monday. Jensen was off. He's off on Mondays. He was in flip-flops. A pair of jeans, a t-shirt. He run down to the bank. When he made it to the bank, he said there was a long line already out the door, down the sidewalk. He run in there to see the president, and the president was kind of sweating at this time. Let me get it. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I got. He said, "If you're gonna tell it, tell it right." <laughs> I got a story now. Thank you, Lord. The bank told him what going, so he announces it at church. Bank said they, they ain't doing business with us. But God's gonna help us by his grace and mercy. So Monday he gets a call from the president of the bank, get down here ASAP, right now. 
He jumped in the car and his jeans and flip-flops and a t-shirt, run down into the lines, always stretched out to the bank, cars and parked on flower bushes and everything else. President's in there, sweat running off his forehead, crying, begging Jensen. What happened is all the members went down there and pulled every dollar they had out the bank. Hello? Hello? They wasn't going down there to get no $3. Come on, y'all. They said, we want it up right now. He said, man, if you don't stop them, we out today. We done. Stop them. Jensen said, no, nah, I'm joining. I want mine out too. Come on, ride it out. Hear me? When they moved into that building, without that bank's help, God paid for every bit of it. So when I pray, I do pray God help our rec department, but I'm not waiting on the rec department. I can build my own rec department. Come on, y'all. I'm not waiting on it. I'm not waiting on it. And I realize now, when praying into that letter, that some of the ballparks that I want to see ain't coming. It ain't going to come because God's going to change down there. It's going to come because of innovation arose up in here. Come on, somebody. Come on, y'all. Just didn't give you that word about putting the, the about fixing all that equipment just to let it hang around. We're about to build something, baby. I'm telling you, in this room, we're about to see God do the absolute impossible. All it takes is a few people to dream. Finish with this. We're privileged to take a flight, to be able to charter a flight. If you're going to fly, that is the way to go, friend. You ain't got to worry about your bag. You just go right here to the hangar and leave. And I'll never forget sitting in my office with standing mat because, I mean, let's face it, but by God's grace and mercy, I'm going to tackle this fat demon. But when, when, you, when you're this size, you don't want to be in no little Cessna. You know what I'm saying? It's a true story. Kid in my youth group, his name was J Mac. We call, his name was Jonathan. We called him J Mac. He's about equivalent. Jonathan Siler, where you at? Stand up. This is right here what J Mac looked like right here. About this size right here. Oh, you said I just want to show you size off right here. <laughs> Listen. So he, wanted, he, he, he went to pilot school and wanted me to fly with him. His family rented him a plane. I'm talking about a little plane. Like a small pillar back here behind the pilot seat and the other passenger seat. I said, Lord Jesus. So I got in there. Catherine said, when the plane come off the ground, said it tilted like right and it got back right. <laughs> so we're going to catch this flight this morning. Now I ain't gonna lie, I'm praying in tongues under my breath. I'm thinking, Lord, I mean, I just can't, I just don't know if I can take no crop duster. You know what I'm saying? I just don't know if I can handle it. So we get there. The plane was already rented. We get there. The plane we rented, it's gone. They had to give us another plane. It's the exact plane I showed in my office. I'm telling you this. I'm not, I don't think it's got nothing to do with plane. But I think it's got everything to do with God saying to me, whatever you dream, I'll do what you ask me. I'll do what you ask me. See, let me just tell you for fun. I'd put a charter bus in front of this thing. I'd take every one of them little mean knotheads and take them to the Braves game and say, do it. Our youth group's been invited a couple of places of water, and I told Stanton, I said, we got to figure out some log logistics now. I said, because we got some kids that blow a, blow a church up now. I said, so let's figure it out. I said, we got to ease into this thing. But I'm telling you, what's burning here with the youth, and I'm going to leave you with this. When Jesus himself was about to show up in a city, the first thing he did was go loose the colts. The colts running ahead of us is a sign that he himself is about to come. And he himself is about to make a triumphal entry. And I'm telling you, I'm laying my garment, my prayer shawl in the street saying, come, God, come. Come to this city. Come on, y'all. Come to this city. Expand the vision. Build the kingdom. Stretch the cords of my mind. Church, I'm telling you, the Lord is in this room. Build your vision. Get it up. Lift up your vision to the hills which come with your strength. Get your eyes off the ground and get them up. A friend of mine, his dad was an old holiness preacher, had a big guitar. 
He sing this song, always look up. Always look up. Because Jesus ain't buried in the ground. Always look up. Saints, I'm going to leave us with this this morning. Let's look up. Let's get our eyes. Listen, he ain't in the ground. He's in the heavens, sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and I tonight and today. Stand up on to pray. I got so caught up in some of these. I'm forced to watch HGTV sometimes, which we got, we all boys in our house, even our Cocker Spaniels are boys, so we outweigh Catherine sometimes. We do let her have the HGTV occasionally, mainly ball games and outdoor channel. We love killing stuff. But this couple, that Ben and Aaron Napier in Laurel, Mississippi, that goes back and buys into their town. God begins to bless them. And he starts the Scotsman Trade Company in Laurel, Mississippi because he loved to build furniture. Then Bassett picks up his furniture. How many knows that's a game changer? See, you may think I'm just up here hollering. There's a gentleman who sends me contracts. He sent me three times on my phone of contracts that's handed out all over little old small rural areas all across this country. Contracts for $273 million. Contracts for $600 million. Contracts for $30 million. It's time we believe for something, church. You know that Jesse had been sawing logs his whole life. Why don't we just ask God to drop something in his heart? I can't, I can't holler like this for 10 more years asking you to jump on the train. I'm telling you the boat's sailing. You hear me? I got the throttle down. I said I got the throttle down. We, we not, we're not small-minded just sitting there, oh, Lord, if you could just help us. You could help us just raise the budget a little bit and pay the light bills. We've been going beyond that. Come on, somebody. I believe it for college scholarships to help some kids get out some stuff. Come on, y'all. I believe in to build an apartment complex that we own to put widows and single moms and folk that can't afford rent into because I'm tired of giving the happening $109 a night for homeless people. Hello! Why can't we build it? Why can't we build it? Why can't we build it? Why not now? Why not you? Why not now? There's businessmen in this church that can fly to a city tomorrow and the tithe off of one deal will build an entire apartment complex. That's the vision that we've got to have, church. you got to quit seeing your mom and pop store as some little, some little dump held somewhere. you got to see the vision that God has for your life. When I pull up here, I'm straddling the greatest horse ever been known to man this morning called Cornerstone Christian Church in Sparks, Georgia. I'm not, be- I'm not behind T.D. Jakes, and I'm not definitely behind Rod Parsley. I'm building the vision that God said build. And I'm telling you, I'm looking at a room full of builders. Why not now? Why not now? Mr. Jimmy, I watch you about to get buck off that horse, but by gosh, you put the bits in his mouth and you rode it. God's moving in that. Church, I'm telling you, there's example after example after example of businesses in this house. If you own a business, come down here. We're going to pray for you. Let's do it right quick. You own a business, come down here. I just want to pray with you right here before we leave. Come on. Come on. Come on. I shouldn't have to beg you. You should be running. Come on. Come on. Father, we just thank you right now for the winds of change. For the, I remember in 2008, I walked out of the church one night, and I asked Matt Wednesday night, did he feel it? Well, I tell you, Thursday morning I woke up, I want to turn Phil Collins on. 
I can feel in the air tonight. Some in the air, brother. You hear me? Father, I thank you for opportunity right now. I thank you for opportunity. I, I thank you, God, for the opportunity coming into my lane. God, I thank you for giving me the faith to reach out and grab that lock of hair and not let it slip by. I thank you, God, that you have got the window wide open in this time and this season. And I thank you for expansion. I thank you, Lord, that I am willing to stretch forth my tent. I'm ready to strengthen the stake. And God, I'm trusting you're going to pour out something on my life that has never been seen. And Father, I thank you right now for new opportunities. Contracts. Sean Bolts released this this week that in the next 18 months many of you will sign the greatest contracts of your life I don't believe that's for one person I looked at that and said my God that is me I'm about to sign the greatest contract of my life so Father we release it right now in Jesus name give God a mighty hand clap of praise God bless you all we'll see you here Wednesday night We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.